You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight, you never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? Yes, I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please. Get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of Earth Station Who. That's right, folks. We have survived Dragon Con, and we are back. And I wish we could say we were back under better circumstances. But right actually in the middle of Dragon Con, we had gotten notices, probably all of us who are on the show tonight, you know, that Terrence Dix had passed away. And he, for a lot of us, was... He was Doctor Who, more in some ways than the Doctors themselves, because he's the man who brought so many stories to life. And personally, he was my Doctor Who, because I was stuck in the era when they just kept on showing the fourth Doctor over and over and over again on PBS. So I started picking up the Target books. And how many of those did he write? And he... He brought the the Doctor Who experience with the first couple Doctors to life for me, and it was just amazing. And I actually told him this because I met him at TimeGate when, Alan, you guys had him there. Yeah, we were lucky lucky enough to have him twice. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be talking all about it. Um, Let me introduce the guests we have for tonight. Of course, Alan Seiler is here. Hello. How are you? Welcome, my friend. Glad to be here, as always. It's going to be great to talk about this with everybody tonight. We also have Randy Stewart joining us for the first time. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me, Mike. Hey, no problem, Randy. Actually, you're the one who broke the news about this to me at the con. And it was just like, because you you were just like, started instant messaging me. I was like, oh, geez, really? And it was just, it was really shocking. Yeah, it it really shocked me when I I read about it, because I think... um, at least for me, Terrence Dix was the first name I ever associated with Doctor Who outside of any of the actors, you mm-hmm. know, from exactly. books and, and, and everything. So it, it was huge news. It was huge news. I'm glad we're able to talk about it tonight. We're going to have a great discussion about it in a few minutes. We also have our regulars, of course. They did survive Dragon Con also. Let's welcome Mary Ogle and Mike Gordon. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> so, Mary, you did okay with surviving Dragon Con? I barely survived it. I did end up with con crud, but oh, it's no. mostly over with now. Oh, glad to hear that. Barbara okay? Bar- Barbara's doing okay. I blame her. She got it first. Of course. Of course. And it's thank goodness your roommates got off lucky. We didn't get it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> How did that happen? 
I don't know. Maybe, you know, you got it from the Canadians who are staying with us or something. Yes, let's always blame the Canadians. Of course. It's the easiest blame way to do Canada. it. Blame Canada. <laughs> exactly. You don't know, know what kind of diseases they're going to bring from that country. Exactly. and uh, They need to screen them better. And Mikey, you made it okay through Dragon Con? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, it's still an ongoing recovery process. Uh, I figure, you know, after we record last... The final uh, 2019 Dragon Con Con report, which is uh, next week, uh, then I, I can put some closure to the event. So That's good. That is good. Rest up and then get ready for 2020. Oh, geez. Yep. I think it's time. 2020 is right around the corner already. <sighs> but uh, since we're talking about Dragon Con, you know, we didn't get a chance since we know we were recording. Last week was our, our panel that we did. But just want to give a big shout out and thank you to everybody who came to the panel, everybody who reached out to us, said they listened to the show. It was really fun meeting everybody, uh, talking to people who've been listening to us for since day one, as well as people who've been listening to us. Uh, and then probably there's some people that are listening to us for the first time uh, in this episode. So welcome. It's uh, it's great to uh, meet you at DragonCon. And uh uh, I hope we don't uh, tick you off too much. Nah, I don't think we will. Not, at, at least at least this episode, I don't think we will. And it, it's funny. I, we got written by a couple people saying they really wanted to see us at Dragon Con, but they were standing in line for David Tennant while our con, our panel was going on. I cannot believe they would choose David Tennant over us. I know. I, t- I, told, priorities. I wrote them back and said they weren't real fans. It's okay. <laughs> Right. (laughs) So you could, of course, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, Definitely write us at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. And we would definitely love to hear from you guys. You know, how was your con? How was, you know, getting over it and everything? Did you get to meet the doctor? Did you get to meet Ordana or, you know, Martha? You know, there was a lot of Doctor Who at the con this year which is really nice. And I know, you know, some of my friends actually out in Seattle drove down to Portland and they got to meet the ninth doctor. So it was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Rose city. Like I think just a few years ago, we were all like, Chris is never going to do the convention. He's never going to do this. He's never going to do that. And, you know, Maybe Dragon Con next, next, year, next thing you know, we'll be hearing about him doing Big Finish. Yeah, I, I won't be surprised at all if he does. Yeah, I, I also won't be surprised if he's the big Doctor Who guest at Dragon next year. I was just thinking Ooh, that. Really? I was just thinking that also, Alan. I'm just total speculation, but I'll just bet you that's going to be the number one on their to get list. Oh well, they're they're going in reverse order. That's now. true. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're counting down. <laughs> That is true. That is very true. So then if next year is nine, then I guess we'll get uh, Paul McGann the year after that. There you go. Hey, that'd be pretty awesome. Or God forbid, <gasps> Jody, maybe, huh? Maybe. Could be. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Never say never. I, I would love to say Pro- that. Probably not while she's still in production. Right. No, because right. they're usually filming during Dragon yeah. Con time. Yeah, that's true. And 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 let me just say then, if that's the case, then I hope we don't get her at Dragon Con very soon. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't believe any of those rumors you're hearing, folks. Come on, we know no, better. Than that. Just <laughs> exactly. Of course, we are up on social media. You could find us up on a Facebook group, or we also have a Twitter. So you know. Definitely find Earth Station Who. We definitely would love to socialize with you guys, talk about our favorite Doctor Who moments and such. And we're going to be talking a lot about that tonight 
when we talk about Terrence Dix. But before we do, let's also give a great shout out to our patrons. Thank you. Thank you guys for all the support you guys have been giving us. And, you know, it's just been great. And you guys could hear this podcast 48 hours before the rest of the world does. So as a patron, it's a little bit of a gift to you guys. We give you guys some Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con report 48 hours before. And of course, there's also exclusive material that you guys get also. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you could become a patron of the ESO network. Not too shabby. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Pretty straightforward. So with that being said, let's go into any Doctor Who news. And we actually do have one little bit of Doctor Who news. <laughs> a little bit. It just actually was leaked out today that uh, Stephen Fry is going to be in the very first episode of the new season of Doctor Who. No idea when it's coming to us, but he is going to be in the first episode. And so I'm surprised has 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 his paths ever crossed with Doctor Who before? It seems yes. like it was inevitable. Yes, right? he wrote an episode that was supposed to be produced in season two. Uh it got shoved back to season three for budgetary reasons <coughs> and then never got done in season three. And so far it's never been done. So that's that's his whole Doctor Who career thus far. <laughs> wow. Is one episode that has never been produced. So he hasn't ever had like even a cameo or anything like that. No, no I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, Cause I'd almost expect him, you know, the one that they did for the comedy, the comedy special for the red nose event mm-hmm. that he, I was surprised he wasn't one of the doctors in that, in the regeneration <laughs> or something, which would have been really awesome. But yeah, I'm very excited to hear that. And as more doctor who news comes out, we'll let you guys know. Wow. That's it for Doctor Who News, throwing everything at those. You know, you know, definitely a lot of people had great experiences at Dragon Con meeting David Tennant, you know, for 45 seconds here for a picture or an autograph there. But he, for everyone who met him, I heard wonderful things. I didn't hear one negative about him. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and I, I did get a chance to uh, meet Freema for a little while, and uh, she was amazingly sweet and awesome. So uh, I, I definitely encourage folks out there to, uh, to, to meet her as well. Um, I know that a lot of times you'll see uh, doctors and companions, and the companions are already sitting there with not a lot of people in their line, while the doctors have tons of people in their line. So to give the companions some love, too. Well, I heard like Catherine Tate was out in front of her table almost the whole time. She, oh, Catherine she just works. Yeah. She works. She knows how to work. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. So exactly. Well, she didn't even have a moderator for her panel. No, nah, she always does that too, which is really awesome. She just wants, she gets down there with the people who are there to see her. And it's, it's just so warm and so caring that, you know, she does that for them and everything. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's really and, cool. That's really generous of her to do that. Exactly. And it just, it shows that, you know, she, she's thankful for be the, for being there and for the people coming to see her. And that's the best kind of way you could do it. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, speaking as a moderator, who's had their person just go off and do their own thing at cons, you know, Mark <laughs> Shepard, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Mark Shepard. I really am. 
So <laughs> it was, you know, if I didn't have to be up there, if I knew that's what he was going to do, you know, I pretty much would have just sat in the audience rather and enjoyed it. His talking instead of, you know, being up there and him <laughs> saying, you don't have anything interesting to say. I'm going to go talk to them, you know? So it's just, but see, we were part of the entertainment. Oh, so of course. I mean, but Alex, I know you've done moderation. He needed a foil. Yeah. He was exactly. there to perform and that's what he did. Exactly. exactly. Do a lot of guests prefer to have a moderator at these events? Um, it depends on the comfort level, but I would say that I would say that most of them do, uh, just, just because, uh, you know, a lot of them are are not there to put on a show or entertain. Um, they're, they're there because of the fans and they're there to answer questions and everything like that, but they don't (laughs) usually come with something prepared or anything like that. The, the real mold breaker in this thing is John Berriman. Oh, oh wow! No yeah, he's on a whole other level. <laughs> and it's yes. and it's um, it, Berriman is the one who got Tate doing these things. So I'm sure that he, you know, this is how he does it. So that's how she does it. And they're both yeah. such performers. They're both showmen. So you know, it, it comes naturally for them. They don't need a moderator. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't know, you know, the con scene, and they, you know. But those two are just natural stage presences. Yeah, I wouldn't even, you know, I think of, I always think of uh, Catherine Tate as sort of a British equivalent of like a, a Carol Burnett, right? Mm-hmm. She, she, um, obviously she has that, that sketch comedy show for a while mm-hmm. that was really popular. She's very funny, but she knows how to work the crowd. And like a lot of times when I see her on panels and everything, it reminds me of when Carol used to talk to the audience before her shows and all that kind of stuff. And it just, she just has an energy that she just really connects with people. Um, and that's what she's in it for to, to connect with people and to perform in front of live people. Like, you know, yep. Live audiences. Mm-hmm. Of course. Not, not dead people. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to dead right people. yeah we don't know we don't know what her which are. you know by monday morning at dragon con everybody is pretty much dead so <laughs> yeah, yeah. i was gonna say you know yeah i've seen some of those audiences at dragon con on monday morning and they're just like uh, so. it, it, it's tough but i i think you know um i think a, almost all of them really uh especially with new who have embraced the celebrity con experience. You know, I've never heard anybody complain about anybody from, from new who at least, you know, um, and classic who as well. I mean, I think it's been something that uh, has, is a great experience. I mean, it, 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 you know, certainly with the larger cons like dragon con, San Diego, New York, et cetera, et cetera, they're huge, but also the more intimate cons like, uh, you know, like Hulanta was and Chicago TARDIS and Gallifrey. Uh, I've never heard anything bad said about, I mean, any of the, the actors or participants of, of New I mean, as a con runner, I will say that uh, getting into the Doctor Who field, you're incredibly lucky because the, the people that you have to book as guests and as entertainment for your crowd are all almost without exception, really, really wonderful people. I've, I mean, I did Hulanta for 15 years and not a single time do I feel like we got burned by anybody. Every person that we booked and had, and you know, you go to a lot of expense to pay these people their appearance fee and to book 
first class flights and it's all this kind of, and they come over and they're just wonderful. Every single one of them has really been genuinely wonderful. And I'm so thankful for that. That's good to hear. That is really good to hear. And most of the people we've met through Dr. Who, through your con, through some of the other cons we've gone to have just always been so <laughs> grateful to talk to us, to be up there and to just, you know, be in front of the people and get to meet the people who want to see them. It has just always been awesome. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's not, I mean, sure. A lot of actors are looking at it when they get a part, you know, on Dr. Who as a job, but it, it really is more than that. It really is more than that. It, and it can be as much as they want it to be. Yeah. Well, and, then, again, and then you, then you look at the cast members from, from uh, classic who, who just took their job, you know, because they were, they were struggling actors. They got a part here or a part there. If they were lucky, they were able to get the role of a companion. And they never looked at it as making classic television. And in some cases, you know, it's 10 or 15 years later, they come over to the United States and suddenly they're adored. And that had to be so fulfilling for these actors and for these, uh, you know, for, for these working actors to all of a sudden discover a whole new audience of people who just absolutely embrace them. Oh, sure. You... You take, you know, especially, oh, you're going to do Doctor Who? Oh, my God. You know, especially back in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, it's a, it was a job, like you said. But these people are memorized and known by all these legions of fans. And it, I'm sure it, it, it's like you make, it makes you feel appreciated and loved. And it's just, it's just awesome. I will never forget. I heard uh, Louise Jameson years ago, you know, she um, before and after Dr. Who she's had quite a career both on television and on uh, stage. And I, re I will never forget. She said one time how loyal Dr. Who fans are. She said, you know, every acting career is ebbs and flows. There'll be times when there's, you know, you have too much work that you can possibly do. And then other times when there just aren't offers coming in. And she said every time she got into a low period, Doctor Who fans were always there. She always had her Doctor Who audience. And I think that's really kind of awesome. Oh, exactly. And, you know, let's hopefully keep this up. Let's keep it going. And, you know, let's keep them, make sure they're appreciated. So they'll keep on coming back. Absolutely. That's the best way. Or like when Mary and I were at Gallifrey that one year and we were wandering through the vendor hall and we saw some second doctor posters and <laughs> such. And we were like, Oh, these are the set. Oh, these are the great. These are awesome. And it was actually Frazier's table. Yeah. And, and it was just like, and we were, and Frazier was like, why? Thank you. And we were like, <gasps> you know, we were starstruck. <laughs> That is one of my favorite moments of any con. I mean, he was just amazing. It was fantastic to meet him, and we were just it's like, Jamie. Ah! Ah! Yeah, it was, it was just awesome. <laughs> yeah, he is. So, all right, folks, we definitely would love to hear about you guys at home. Please write us at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. Tell us about your experiences. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment when we get into talking all about Terrence Dicks. The ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything is 42.
That's right, Broad Speculation, and on the 42 cast, we bring you drama-free discussions on television shows, movies, video games, novels, and comics. So don't bother thinking about the question, just go straight to the answer. It's only on the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Welcome back to Earth Station Who, and now we are here remembering Terrence Dix. We've already started remembering him in the beginning segment. We, it's just, he had such a great, you know, influence to probably all of us here on the show tonight. And, you know, it, through his writing for the show, doing his, you know, story editing to writing the novels and all his, his work away from Doctor Who, I know when I was talking to a few different people, they're just like, oh, what about this, this, and this? And it was just amazing. And then when Randy was like writing me, he was sending me all these different, you know, things that Terrence had worked on. So it was pretty amazing. You know, um, you know, I can't even remember when I first discovered Terrence Dix. It was probably through the books more than even the TV show because he was just a name to me on the TV show you know, watching, you know, the early Tom Baker years. And, but the target books were really the paperbacks were what got me into him. And he became a legend to me. What about with the rest of you guys? Let's, you know, Alan, what about you? Probably the same thing. Um, I got into Dr. Who. Well, actually, no, that's not true because the very first Dr. Who I ever watched was the five doctors. On November 23rd, 1983. So Terrence, you know, written by Terrence Dix is like the first Doctor Who name I ever saw. Sure. Yeah. So from there, I'm sure it was because at that point, the PBS station that I was watching in Tampa, Florida, uh, was showing that, you know, as a one-off. And then the following week, they circled back to the shows that they were already showing in their schedule, which was, you know, mid Tom Baker. Um, so the next time would have been, uh, 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 uh the vampire one, uh, state of decay. Oh, yeah, right. Maybe the next time that I saw his name on screen. Um, so it would have to have been, yeah, the, uh, starting reading the, the novelizations right. where I started to really see his name on a regular basis. Oh, sure. All right. What about Mike? Well, um, I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, because I, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, growing up, I was so into the fourth doctor and although Terrence had written a lot for the fourth doctor, um, uh, you know, about a handful of episodes, of course, one's not even credited to him, so I wouldn't have known it. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, I don't think he was really on my radar until, you know, maybe, a few a few years ago when we started when I started really seriously getting into classic Doctor Who and making it an effort to to really uh and you know watch Doctor Who from the beginning and of course you know joining um the Earth Station Who crew uh, as we uh discovered as I discovered uh, a lot of classic stories and and uh and I know that you know, the novelizations and everything like that in the scripts are, are amazing. But to me, when I first, whenever I think of him, 
I think of him as being just really awesome in all of the uh, special features, the documentaries that they do for each of the episodes. Because, yeah. because Agreed. he is, I mean, obviously he was there. And so he knows, you know, the, the stuff that happened then and there. But he's not a he's he never he strikes me as someone who's never afraid to say what's on his mind or how it is or you know he'll he'll tell you like this is something that we tried to do and it we messed it up like we just messed it up it didn't work um, he's 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 not above apologizing for past mistakes and and just laying it out the way the way it was um, you get this I, I really find his frankness and uh, a really refreshing. Because a lot of people are just trying to, you know, talk, maybe, you know, cover stuff up or just give the quote unquote politically correct answer or whatever. But Terrence would just lay it out like this is how it was. And, you know, if it makes it onto the documentary, so what? I, I can't imagine what would be on the cutting room floor. No, totally understand that. What about you, Mary? Well, to me, my first memory of Terrence Dix is horror thing rock. Sure. Which, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's for some reason, and I wasn't as into Doctor Who when I was a kid, but I did see them on on PBS a lot of the Fourth Doctor over and over again. But Horror Thing Rock just it just stayed with me. There was just something about the way it was written and and the claustrophobic feeling and the people getting picked off one by one. I mean, it was just it was very tight and it was very atmospheric. And that was sort of a hallmark of Terrence Dick's writings. I like that about his, his books too. I read some of his books and there's just, his writing really draws you in. I mean, I think he's even had an influence on me as a writer myself. So yeah, I just, I mean, it, it is a, it's a sad day that, that we lost him because he was such a huge influence throughout the whole series in many different ways. It still is today. Oh, of course. No, totally understand. Randy, what about you? Well, well, I think I first discovered Terrence Dix when I picked up a copy of the, the Five Doctors Target novel. <laughs> and I think I think I'd just seen the episode and I picked up the novel. And then as I started collecting the novels, I started seeing his name um, more and more because I think he wrote something like 60 of them. Yeah, six, uh, 67 total. Right. Yeah, he, he wrote a massive amount. He was just so prolific with them. Um, but it really wasn't until I went back and watched the program from the Hartnell straight through and got to that period at the end of the Patrick Troughton stories and into the John Pertwee stories and really could see his influence. And um, if David J. Howe wrote a great book called The Third Doctor Handbook and has a chapter in there called Rewriting the Mythology of Doctor Who. And he just covered all of these amazing things that, that Terrence whether whether or not Terrence created them because he was script writer, you know, script editor and other writers contributed or not, but he obviously had a hand in it. But I mean, he 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 created the Time Lords with with, with Malcolm Hulk. He he named Gallifrey. Uh, he he coined the term regeneration. Um, he created all of these memorable characters, you know, uh, Sergeant Benton and and Sarah Jane and Joe Grant. Um, but then he also brought things out like that the TARDIS is indestructible or the TARDIS can be remote controlled or that it has a telepathic circuit. It might be a sentient being. And he just added so much richness uh, over his, I guess, five years in the program. It, it literally, he just brought so much to it that um, it, it just kind of blew me away. Once I got an opportunity to really watch the program from, from first doctor into the fourth doctor and really see just his thumbprint. And I said, wow, this, this guy 
this 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 is a a, a, a a creative mind that really rewrote the show and took it someplace very special and very different. I think that's the reason it, it, it exists. He created today. a lot of the mythos for it. He really did. Was he the one who came up with the 12 regenerations or no, that would be Robert Holmes. Okay. So, cause <laughs> I know a lot that was all still in that same era. <laughs> and, Definitely. and so that's awesome though. Cause yeah, and and you know, and and if I may, you know, he he and Barry Letts also took the show into political areas. Oh, very much. You know, so. like like the UK entering the the European Union or colonialism and apartheid with like mutants or, uh, uh, you know, respect for all life in in the Santarans. You know, where where John Pertwee is sitting here looking at the brigadier saying, you know, did you really have to do that? Um, and then the women women's rights issues with Sarah Jane. You know, he 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 brought he made Doctor Who relevant. To to a uh, to a much broader audience, yeah, producer, showrunner, sure, and you know he was you know still in charge and you know working all the time on it, you know, with one of the most popular eras of Doctor Who. You know, so it's pretty cool with that. It's funny that you know after producing or uh, script editing the show for uh, five and a half years from the end of Troughton up through the entirety of John Pertwee, he hired um, Robert Holmes a number of times as script writer. And then Robert Holmes became the script editor right after him. And he said, you know, we have this longstanding tradition with Dr. Who and in television where the outgoing script editor gets hired to write the first story for the next script editor. And Robert Holmes is like, Oh, okay, well, do you want to write Tom Baker's first one? He said, well, of course I do. So he talked himself into getting a job immediately after leaving the script editor post, which I think is wonderful. That is awesome. That's right. Cause they were pretty much bringing in a whole new crew between Pertwee and Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, yeah, exactly. And and then Terrence is like, I'll write for it. Sure. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> awesome. That is really awesome. Well, he always strikes me too as somebody who's just amazingly practical and 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 down to earth and asks like it takes he's able to take story ideas, character uh ideas and break them down to the simplest form and ask the simple like logical questions. Right. Like and and there's a lot of times where you'll see in the bonus material where he'll be the one as script editor to, you know, if a writer is stuck on something or if they're trying to do something, he's the one that says, like, well, let's let's look at it and break it down. And like, why? Why is this happening? Well, obviously, if you're doing X, Y and Z, then then this must follow. Right. And and and, and get people right on track. I think that's why he made a perfect editor that way. No, exactly. And to say, to go on what you were saying, how approachable he was, I met him at uh, Timegate when sitting right in the bar, you know, right there, you know, in in the Holiday Inn. And it was just like, that's Terrence Dix. And I walked up to him and I literally said what I said at the beginning of the show. It's like, you were my, you were my intro to Dr. Who. And he says, Oh no, no, no. He was like very, you know, and we sat there for like 30 minutes talking. It was awesome. He loved hanging out at the bar. (laughs) Not necessarily that he loved, he was, you know, like 
loved the drink. He loved the social aspect of it. He loved, I mean, and this is a gentleman who, you know, had a, a career length influence on Dr. Who. I, I have no problem with him sitting at a bar and just letting people tell him how great he is. Cause if anybody has earned that, he did. And he loved talking with fans. He loved hearing what they, you know, Kate got out of Dr. Who. He loved hearing, he loved being able to share his stories of it. Yeah. It was great. Uh, I, oh, I have course. to, I have to thank you Alan, and the whole crew of uh, TimeGate at the time, because that second appearance was the first time I got a chance to meet him as well. And unfortunately I was fighting some sort of, I was under the weather and I was fighting some cold. So I did not want to spend a lot of time with him because I certainly didn't want to be the cause of like, you know, <laughs> dem- demise ultimately. But, um, right. but uh, I did spend a few time with him. I, he signed a book of mine and uh, I got to talk to him for a little bit, but I also made sure that I attended, I think three panels <laughs> that he did. And on each one mm-hmm. of them, he was engaging and, even the ones where he was sort of sharing the stage with other people, you know, as, as much of a presence as Terrence has, he didn't try to steal the show. You know, I think a lot of people would look at him like, well, why don't you tell us Terrence? But, but he seemed like he was gracious uh, as a panelist as well. I don't remember if it was the first time or the second time that we had him at Timegate, but the, uh, the, the Saturday of the con coincided exactly with, um, I guess it was the 40th, 40 years from the night that one of the episodes of the war games aired. I think it was, I think it was episode six. So we spent an hour just talking in depth about the war games and how, you know, the war games is an interesting story because at 10 episodes, you know, um, he and Derek Sherwin were, or um, Malcolm Hulk, I'm sorry, were just writing, writing, writing. And, the show went into production on episode one before they had the second half of the story even written. So that's how tight the production schedule was at the time. And so just to be able to go into, you know, real depth with uh, Terrence Dix on the construction of that story. And then we screened episode (laughs) six, the one that was, that had happened 40 years ago that very night. It was, it was a really, really cool experience. You know, I think the thing about Terrence that uh, just really impressed me was he was so well read because he 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 just he just loved reading and had loved reading since he was a child. But he was such a professional and he was so approachable. He was he was everything that I you know, you know, they say you shouldn't go out and meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed. And, And I have to say that it absolutely was not the case when I when I got an opportunity to meet him at that time gate. You know, he was very approachable and very generous, but he was also very professional. Mm-hmm. And and as you said, Mike, he 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 would be willing to to give somebody else the stage, or he'd be will. He was, I think, he was generally interested in the people who were talking with him. Um, he he was just such a such a phenomenal creative mind that um, it, it was just getting an opportunity to meet him just mm-hmm. didn't disappoint. That's what my family would call a mensch. He he totally was. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's true because he he had no problems, you know, sharing, like you said, sharing a stage or, you know, just talking and, you know, being getting into details and, oh, yeah, I remember that. And he would go and talk about, you know, different scenes he wrote or 
dealing with different actors or dealing. He used to tell stories when the one time I met him, he told us stories about one of the cons, the bigger cons he was at and how people would just like walk up to him, expect him to sign something and not even talk to him. He's like, wait, 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 I want to talk to you and everything. And it was just awesome. I did get the impression from him uh, many times that, that in addition, I mean, he had no trouble being the center of attention. But he didn't crave it. And oftentimes you can tell like some of the best creators are are the ones who can listen, right? They're the ones who can listen to other people's stories and 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 apply them. Um and I think, you know, I think that's what he was able to do as well. I mean, looking at his background, I don't know uh a lot about his background. Um actually I don't know a lot about him outside of Doctor Who. So um, but I understand that he was an avid reader from a young age. Um, and obviously those, those classic stories that he just ate up, like stayed with him. Um, and, uh, he was able to put them to use, but does anybody know, like, so other than Dr. Who, like, did he make an impact or create, like, was he a creative force in any other like series or endeavor? Um, he, yes. I and Barry, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no! no. I, I was going to say he he and Barry, uh, you're right, did do a a, a short-lived program called Moonbase yeah. Three, which was a, a very straightforward uh, science fiction, no bug-eyed monsters. <laughs> At that point, he was um, probably they, like, they no, monsters, no monsters, no monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he felt it was actually kind of a failure because he he wasn't able to bring the enlightenment and and the and the enjoyment and and the surprise and the fantasy into it. So overall that was that was one he felt was just kind of middle of the road. Um but he and uh I know he and Barry did a lot of the classic series mm-hmm. together back when the BBC would do classic shows. He did Charles Dickens. Yeah, he uh, was uh, what was the series uh the Sunday play or the Sunday I don't remember. But uh Barry was the producer of it and Terence was the script editor for it for years after Doctor Who. And then actually Barry Letts left it. He left the BBC and Terrence Dix took over the show. So he was producer. And I don't know if he was also script editing at the same time for the rest of that series. Um, but he also, he wrote a couple of episodes of Space 1999. Um, the biggest thing that he did though was he wrote, he was a novelist and he wrote 67 Doctor Who novels, but he wrote at least twice that many young adult novels and children's novels. And I mean, his, his list of uh, publications is extensive. I remember William read Jonathan's ghost by Terrence Dix. Oh, wow. Cool. And when he was younger. So, and it was like, it was like, I looked at it and said, Terrence Dix, really? And it was like, and I, and William's like, who's he? And I was like, Oh dude, you and I have oh, to talk. Yeah, exactly. He wrote a, he had a series, uh, either children or young adult, I don't remember, but a series called The Baker Street Irregulars, which was sort of loosely based on Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he had a, a, a children's series called Sally Ann, which was a, a ragdoll character that he wrote a bunch of novels. He just had an extensive uh, career as a novelist. I just can't imagine, and so much of that was going on at the same time, he was writing all the Doctor Who novelizations, and I just don't know how in the world he did all that. And and the thing is, when he did the novelizations, in, in I, I found this, uh, just digging through some articles online, that in 1980, 
the tar- his target novels had already sold 3.5 million copies <laughs> in 1980. Wow. And with, had been trans- had been translated into 10 languages. That's so, so I mean, and, and that was 1980. The books were still going yeah. up, up until the yeah. 90s. So, and, and that's, that was just the Doctor Who range. That, that's not all of the other, his, his, his other creative novels. I mean, we're, I mean, talk about a prolific writer. Yeah. I mean, this, this man just didn't I stop. Mean, he, he was a, he was a workhorse. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, as far as the, uh, the target novelizations, because uh, I haven't read a lot of them, uh, and nor do, and can, can I compare them with the actual uh, series, but um, I think I recall at some point, maybe on one of the extras, that a lot of times he would use the novelizations to fix or correct things that maybe didn't go well in the production or things that weren't explained or anything like that. So a lot of times the novelizations are, I don't want to say better, but they are, they're they're more fleshed out. They're fuller. So so, so they're worth checking out, even if you've watched them, you know, to read that adaptation is you'll get like the full story, so to speak. There were some of the novelizations I read way before I actually saw the actual series. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not how I pictured it in my mind (laughs) when I was watching. And there were times when I thought what Terrence did was better than what the TV series did. And it was just, I can't name anything right particular off the top of my head, but it was just always like, whoa, or... I haven't seen this one, but this is all familiar. Oh, I read the book. That's right. Also, he was so good with characterization. I mean, that comes through in both his books and, and his TV shows. And I mean, you can, there's a certain warmth and generosity of spirit that comes through in his writing. You can tell he was kind of an observer of people that, that he listened to them. And then he translated that to the page mm. that really came through as a writer. Mm. He he actually got his start aside from uh, doing a couple of Avengers episodes. He he started in soap operas. He started on uh, Crossroads, and so I, I think interestingly enough, so did Russell T Davies. He got his start uh, in soap operas as well. So I think they really they really took their time and 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 learned how to how to write and how to create drama by by looking at the world around mm-hmm. them. Well, and soap operas will will uh, that's a crash course in learning how to adjust mm-hmm. and write in a very fast environment like hectic environment exactly that's true so if you can if you're a writer and you can you can write like you can last a year on a soap opera you can be in tv for decades <laughs> yeah so but you you were you were saying uh you were you were asking mike if anybody remembered you know reading something in in, in a book and then seeing it later and it just not quite being as powerful and and that was green maggots for me uh, i remember yeah. reading reading green Day. Long before they ever brought the Pertwees to Atlanta, the Pertwee stories on uh, public TV, and uh, yeah, it just wasn't quite as powerful seeing the uh, the, the dragonfly hanging from a <laughs> hanging from a string, chasing the Pertwee around. Is it? It wasn't quite as dramatic and, and and powerful as it was in my mind. You know, reading the novel. Agreed. And it's just it's just interesting to see that. And was he involved with you know since he was all the way from, you know, from Patrick's era all the way through basically almost the fifth doctor in some ways, uh, any of the doctor selections and such? Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is. Well, and maybe Tom. And in fact, I'm sure it was Tom because, um, I'm pretty sure that he and Barry were the ones who 
um, I can't remember the name of the guy at the BBC who knew Tom, who had been uh, at, at Tom's school. And he, he said, you know, there's this guy you should really look at for your next doctor. And, uh, and I'm sure it was uh, Terrence and Barry who went to see uh, the Sinbad movie that Tom had done and said, yes, that's our doctor. So I'm sure that they were the ones who cast Tom. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'd have to double check that, but I'm, I'm sure that that's right. Yeah. It, interestingly enough, the, the previous producer and previous uh, scriptwriter chose John Pertwee. And then as Barry and, uh, and Terrence were on the way out, they, they chose Tom Baker. So that, that was just kind of a, that would have to be kind of interesting being a producer following up and all of a sudden saying, well, I guess here's my actor. I don't have any choice in what we're going to, you know, how, how we're going to take the show other than the words on the page, you know, in terms of not being able to actually cast your lead actor. I just kind of thought that was interesting that that was kind of their last big influence together in Doctor Who was choosing, was choosing Tom as the fourth Doctor. Nope. Very true. So it's, he's just the influences and it's truly amazing when you come to think about it, staggering in a lot of ways. And like Mike Gordon had said earlier, you know, all the work he had done on the extras on the DVDs up until recently. Yeah. Even uh, like it was always, I mean, I love, look, I have, you know, BritBox. So I love being able to just pull up a classic story whenever I want. But uh, the reason why I really wanted to get, especially Tom's run and all of uh, Patrick's run uh, on, on DVD was because I love, I love, I love the extras. Um, and I love the, 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 the making like the, because there's always usually one documentary about the making of that story and, you know, Terrence is on probably 75, if not 90% of them, uh, even the yeah. ones where he didn't have anything to do with sometimes, but, but, um, uh, and he's always great. Like every time he's on one, I'm like, okay, cool. Cause you know, he's always got something interesting to say. So I, I, I really mm-hmm. get, I got, I felt like I got to know him through those really. And I didn't know this, but I guess one of the first things, I guess early on when he joined up with Doctor Who, one of the first things he did was like sort of a making of uh, book, uh, like a behind the scenes thing. Oh yeah, that's right. So he was always kind of your, uh, he was was actually doing, he was doing those specials, uh, documentaries, the Blu-ray specials before Mm. they even had like, you know, uh, uh, those (laughs) things going on. So that is right. I'd forgotten about that. Pretty much the very first ever making of Doctor Who thing that was written was That's him. Amazing. That's uh, I'll have to see if I can maybe track down that that book now. Although it's probably like really expensive now. But. <laughs> 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 I mean, it was probably really expensive before he passed, but now it's probably even more expensive. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but um, also, do I mean I don't know if this is a can of worms, and I certainly don't mean to open up anything. But do we know how he felt about New Who? You know, I was going to mention that earlier. It's so, I find it really interesting that when uh, Russell T was relaunching the show, the first place he went to, to kind of as a framing device for his, the first episode for his new series was to go back to the Pertwee era and the Altons and, you know, all that stuff that really feeds into exactly what the new series was all about. And um, T 
Terrence and Barry were invited to the press screening for uh, Rose. And, you know, they were given all this praise for their work, you know, in the seventies. And I think, I think for the most part, they, they both really loved it, especially Russell's era. You know, I, I recall a couple of books. Yes, he did. Doctor. He did. He wrote a, a couple of tense doctor and, uh, 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 Martha. Oh, novels. wow. Didn't know that. Novels. When, when he was at Timegate, he did, he did say that he, he really enjoyed David Tennant as the <laughs> doctor. Um, he said he was, a, he, he didn't really care for the failed Christ metaphor yeah. that had, had wrapped around uh, Tennant. And uh, I found a, uh, an interview with him online not too long ago where he said that he really was enjoying the Peter Capaldi stories, that he felt that they really got the, the feel and the, uh, the character of the doctor on the mark. with Capaldi. Oh man, I so agree with him on that. And, and, and you know, but, and but there, but you know, you look at Capaldi and you have the immediate tie back and the throwback to John. Absolutely, Hurley. definitely could see that, and it's good to hear that you know he appreciated where it was going because sometimes they could become in, embittered, especially like with remakes and such. Oh, I don't like what they're doing with it, you know that type of thing, and you never got that from him. And actually, with a lot of people working on who you don't get that. Yeah. Agreed. And that's just that's just a show of what a good experience it was for all of them. I also think, too, that that's, that shows how uh, Russell first, but then certainly uh, everybody who's come after him, was such a fan of what had come before that they didn't alienate the past. They did everything they could to uh, embrace it as much as they could. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, it won't be long and we'll be in an era where the people making Doctor Who did not grow up watching the classic series and down the road, they'll be like, oh yeah, I was watching Doctor Who way back in the old days in the very beginning with Eccleston and David Tennant (laughs) and that'll be classic Who to them. And it's interesting to see that dynamic shift. Well, yeah, because I would imagine at some point it was, yeah, because New Who really is we grew up watching Doctor Who, whereas everybody prior mm. to that, certainly Terrence, there was no Doctor Who to like. I mean, they they wrote the book, right? I mean, he literally wrote yeah. the book, like sixty-seven of them, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, so they were coming in and they were just <laughs> creating. Whereas maybe I don't know, maybe towards the end of of the classic era, were there people on there that were like fans that grew up watching the show? Yeah, John Nathan okay. Turner. And in fact, had worked on the show since, you know, like early Pertwee. So he brought his whole wealth of knowledge and his love for the show into gotcha, his era. Gotcha. So it was really the first time that the show fed specifically on past continuity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things you have to be careful of because you don't want it to be a snake eating itself, oh, yeah. right? You have to sort of a- add some new blood in there, too, just to make sure that Things don't mm-hmm. get stagnant and stale, but, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I certainly have never felt that, you know, that new who has tried to, or has gone mm-hmm. out of their way to alienate or, you know, tick off anybody from the past. As a matter of fact, they've done the, the opposite. <laughs> really. So as far, you know, I mean, people who, who, who were almost forgotten or didn't have jobs or whatever have gotten, you know, work and, and, and become like, you know, at least in, in the convention circuit, alive again, thanks to Doctor Who. So, Oh, 
a lot of the convention <laughs> circuit has, you know, brought back a lot of shows, but Doctor Who, uh, more than a lot of them, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. And you know, it's funny because when we did watch Galaxy Quest recently, and <laughs> while we were watching it, I was like thinking, this could be Doctor Who, also, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of, you know, a Shatner type character, it could have been a Tom Baker type character and, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Look, and the aliens watching historical, you know, we built our own TARDIS for you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Would you guys uh, say that there's anything particular of the Doctor Who franchise, whether it be a character or a race? Um, oh, yes. that yes. that has Terrence's definite mark on that is still maybe even being used today. Uh, Sarah Jane Smith. I love Sarah Jane. Yeah. She's my favorite yeah. companion. So thank you, Terrence, for that. Mm-hmm. No, completely. I think Sarah probably is, you know, one of the highest points for there mm-hmm. and something that keeps on... You know, if Elizabeth hadn't passed away, they would have continued with the show. And, you know, and who knows how much longer it would have gone. That's pretty, that's a statement, you know, right there. And secondarily, I would say the master. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. You could even alternate those two, really. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Roger no, but, master. Exactly. It was basically you finally got, you know, Moriarty to sh- mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, and it was mm-hmm. pretty awesome for that. I think it's interesting to see how much of the, um, how much of Terrence's era has fed into New Who. Santarans, um, Ice Warriors didn't originate during his time. He, he worked on them, you know, with Troughton. And but they were featured again in Pertwee. Sarah Jane, the Master. Um, you had Joe Grant come back in the Sarah Jane Adventures. We have Autons. I mean, it's amazing how much uh, New Who has cherry picked from that Pertwee era. Did, how hugely influ- influential that era was on the new show. Did he help create Unit? Also, didn't he? I think Eric Sherwin did. Okay. Yeah, as the writer of the Invasion, where those characters were uh, introduced. But as far as, you know, transforming them into recurring characters and building a show around, you know, an ensemble cast for the first time, really, other than just companion and uh, doctor. Yeah, I think he really was influential on that. You know, he also uh, he also loved the first multi-doctor story. And, you know, those those Mm -hmm. stay with us today. That's true. You know, that 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 was under his Mm tenure. That's true. Mm-hmm. Omega and the whole thing with that, mm-hmm. yep. which is pretty awesome. And it's fun because Mark Maddox actually, him and I discussed because he was working on a project for, I guess, Doctor Who magazine uh, around the 50th anniversary where he was doing yeah. uh, the covers for them. And one of them mm-hmm. was what they had originally planned for the three doctors. And they had to rewrite the whole story because Hartnell was too ill to really take part in it so it was pretty cool that kind of stuff so yeah it's just it's just neat and i definitely think he will be missed and you know he was a force in doctor who and 
you know, I think we'd love to hear other people's memories from home. You know, please write us at, you know, earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from our listeners and thoughts on this topic and everything. You know, he was the one who coined the phrase, never cruel or cowardly. And that to me just exemplifies the doctor. No, that is awesome. Actually, that's a perfect way to, I think, wrap up the segment. Um, Any final thoughts on turn sticks before, or I think Mary's statement was actually pretty well an ender right there. Also, I'd like to say that his writing is not over. He's, there is a final Doctor Who short story that will be written by Terrence Dix that will be published in an anthology by BBC Books in October. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. And we'll figure out when it's out, and we'll post it up on our show notes when it does so people can actually find it. Well, let's thank everybody for being here tonight. And you know, joining us, let's thank our guests first. Alan, thank you so, so much. I am so glad that you invited me to be part of this episode. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really, really happy to be able to discuss Mr. Dix and his incredible career and incredible influence on Dr. Who. Well, well, thank it's you too. Our pleasure. For, um, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for you and, and TimeGate and your work over there, I don't think I would have either got the chance to meet him. So. I'm, I'm so pleased. He he was really, really a sweet And if guy. I'm not mistaken, I think the second th- that year, he wasn't originally scheduled, right? I think it was, wasn't it somebody canceled and, uh, or something like that? He was a last minute addition. Is that right? He was the first time. He wasn't a last minute gotcha, addition, gotcha. but was he the second time? Uh, no, I don't, gotcha, I don't even remember. Gotcha. But anyway, so thank you, sir. <laughs> my pleasure. Well, he stole my thunder on that one. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> You can but piggyback. Alan, it's, it's always great. And like I said, like Mike had said, it is because of you guys that, you know, went through Hulanta, Timegate before that, that you guys introduced us to a lot of Doctor Who guests. But Terrence was one of them that really stuck out to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Me too. Agreed. And so thank you. Thank you. Anything you want to promote real quick? Oh, sure. You can find my newly formed publishing company at cosmicpress.com. That's K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. I'm going to be republishing my first three books under new ISBNs very soon. And then I've got new projects coming next year. Yay. All right. That is awesome. Randy, thank you so, so much. Oh, Mike, thank you very much for just letting me be a part of this conversation. Um, You know, having the opportunity to meet Terrence at TimeGate was uh, just really a high point for me as a fan. I've always uh, just, Loved having the opportunity to meet writers from Doctor Who, but that was uh, that was the best. So thank you, Alan, and thank you for just letting me be a part of this conversation. Oh, our pleasure. It. Anything you want to promote? Uh, no, no plugs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, this is a record. Uh, somebody, somebody who hasn't who's been on the show that didn't have anything to promote. Wow. <laughs> and speaking of promoting, Mary, thank you so so much for everything. Oh, thank you. It was lovely to talk about Terrence. He, boy, you did uh, good, yeah. Terrence, and you will very much so. Things. Anything you want to promote? You can find my artwork at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. <laughs> Fantastic. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, sir. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. <laughs> 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 
And, you know, for, for any final thoughts on Terrence Sticks before we head out? Just if, if people don't know who he is, just uh, find out more about him. Search, uh, you know, the internet and put in a, a Doctor Who DVD and uh, just enjoy. That's perfect. That is a great way to look at it. You know, please, you know, experience this man. His work was, you know, 50, almost 50 years after he started because he started in 1968 working on Doctor Who. And, you know, he his influence is still being felt on the show. And, you know, definitely watch it and go, thanks, Terrence. You know? I certainly hope that our next Doctor Who episode, which should be the Christmas episode, carries a dedication mm, yeah. to him. Good call. Mm, I'm hoping there's going to be a New Year's or a Christmas <laughs> special. <laughs> there is. If, mm. if, if I may, Mike, I, I just think if, if I can just add one more thing, and that is that, you know, Doctor Who is such a worldwide phenomenon, and it seems like more and more people, more and more young people are discovering it every day. And I think that's just an amazing legacy for Terrence. I mean, here we are you know, 40 years after he was involved in his time writing the John Pertwee stories, we're talking about him now. There's going to be the, the conversations about Terrence Dix and his his work in Doctor Who and how he brought so much joy to people is going to go on and on and on. And, and I think that's amazing. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. Can't say anything beyond that. That is true. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up the episode for tonight. Join us in a couple weeks. We will be back, and we are going to be going back to the first Doctor era, actually. And we are looking at the Time Meddler. It's going to be a lot of fun doing that. Speaking of, you know, the first time the Doctor on the show met someone from his own race. So it should be kind of interesting to see. Until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will see you here next time on the Air Station Who podcast. Peace. And we are done. Bop. Barry and I played good cop and bad cop over the <laughs> over the years, and but we're total opposites, you see. I mean, Barry is the nicest, kindest, gentlest, sweetest man you could ever meet. I've never met anybody who didn't like Barry. You you know, you talk to somebody who knew him as well and say, "Oh, but you know, Barry, yes, what a what a lovely chap." They'd say, you see. I am basically not like that, you know. I mean, um, I, I, I tend to be a bit irascible and uh, can be a bit difficult sometimes, you see. I mean, um, Barry, bless him, put up with me, you know. I mean, um, were, though we would mostly get on very well, but that was more to Barry's credit than it was to mine because he was very patient and tolerant, you know, and um, he, he put up with me very well. And the other thing was, and this was um, immensely important, in the Brian and show, uh, show in times, I was like the dog's body, you know, junior assistant script editor, go away and fix this script, which we've cocked up, we're off to the bar kind of thing, see. Barry always treated me as an equal. The other thing I used to say to Barry, you know, they say, you shouldn't have too talented an assistant because he'll be after your job. And I'd say to him, you're really lucky because the one thing I don't want <laughs> is your job, you see, because it was... Um, Serious, grown-up, hard work, you know. I mean, like Barry, I became a producer reluctantly many, many, many years later. But uh, I never wanted to produce who. And, uh, you know, I always, used to, I always used to say the good thing about my job is I've got Barry Letts to do the difficult bits, you see. But he would, he would draw me into the production process. He would occasionally send me off 
For instance, you know, when we were doing a photo shoot for the front cover of the Radio Times, Barry couldn't make it, so he sent me off to be in charge of it, things like that. And as I say, he always said we, and Terence and I, and I think he saw us as, as a double act, you know. He used to say we were the guy in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, a two-headed beeble box, you see, we were two heads in one beep. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>